Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today we're going to look at the top digital trends of 2021 from the fun to the profound. Each year, folklore students at Utah State University track digital trends, and they meet at the end of the year to prepare a ballot that goes out to a national panel of experts in digital folklore, which selects the winning trend. And a TikTok video of a young uh, Scottish mailman singing a traditional sea shanty soon made the Wellerman come and memes that poked fun at the self-described QAnon shaman were among the top folk-getters. Our guests uh, today are co-directors of the USU Digital Folklore Project. Uh, USU English professor Jeannie Thomas is uh, with us. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. And uh, USU Associate Professor of English uh, Lynn McNeil joins us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, we'd love to get your top candidate as well, top digital trend of the year, or maybe the currently uh, trending that you've got your eye on. Uh, you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Uh, uh, so before we get into uh, the top digital t- trends of 2021, I'm wondering, I'll start with you, Lynn, on this one. Um, you know, on our minds is, I think most of us, Ukraine, mm-hmm. serious, heavy news. Fear, people fleeing. Yeah. Um, so as a folklorist, will there be folklore come out of this? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, folklore is how we collectively, symbolically cope with what's going on in the world around us. And that might be escapism. It might be playing to our better natures, as I think we saw with the 2021 digital trend of the year. And it might simply be the need to share and communicate and give give everyone a sense of what's happening on the ground. I think that's one of the big benefits of the technology of the internet is that we have, thankfully, the news media who can keep us abreast of what's going on. And we also have everyday people living their lives in these spaces and through these events telling us what it's like for them. Yeah. Jeannie Thomas, what would you say about this? Um, I think we're going to see a lot of memes coming out of it. There'll be memes mocking Putin, for example, Mm -hmm. his aggression. Um, You also see people... You know, you know, our digital trend this year was a song. You see people, Ukrainians united in in song and singing and, and those kinds of things. And um, so we're going to see a lot of folklore about it. And in some ways, we can see the how mundane it is and how everyday life and how real life it is in ways we haven't seen with other major historical beginnings of wars before, really, because there'll be there'll be people tweeting about it and putting up TikTok videos about it. So we'll get that kind of insider view. Yeah, I guess, you know, folklore is, is, is how we process things, right? One of the ways. Yes, I think folklore is seen often as a mirror for culture, and that's not always a broad concept. It might be a mirror for a small portion of a cultural group. It might be a mirror for a very large swath of a community or a population and in in the past people have critiqued some folklore not all folklore is beautiful and happy we have xenophobic sexist folklore just as much as we have faith promoting and beautiful folklore and when we see folklore that we don't like we can't really blame the folklore we need to look at what's going on in the group in the community that is generating that folklore and say that's what's being reflected here yeah well, the, the, the top voter-getter this year was uh, the Wellerman, a, a sea shanty. Uh, this is an example that you uh, I, I can't predict it, right? You just... No, but you, it's uh, so great. It is. I mean, we so excited. Um, so, so excited. So, so folkloric. So, Jeannie, t- tell me a little bit about this, and then I want to hear a, a bit of this. 
Okay, 7 million views in three weeks for this. This was a Scottish <laughs> postman, Nathan Evans, and he ended up in Rolling Stone magazine because he resurrected this sea shanty and put out a little TikTok video of it. And people, TikTok videos, you can easily make duets out of them. And so he got all these people doing duets and it was lovely. January of 2021 started off with a burgeoning sea shanty movement on TikTok. Uh, started by this one or, or this was a part of it? This one led it for L- sure. Yeah. Yeah. This, was, okay. this was the front runner, definitely. Yeah. Well, let's hear a bit of this. And then, uh, so this is Nathan Evans, a Scottish postman, a young fellow. Mm-hmm. In his 20s. In his yeah. 20s. Um, and, and this is an old song, I would imagine, a sea shanty. Mid-19th mm-hmm. century. Yeah. Mm-hmm. New Zealand. So uh, this is, uh, we've got time, we might as well hear the whole thing. Uh, I guess uh, <laughs> two and a half minutes. This is not TikTok. Um, I don't know, TikTok, I, I don't even have, you know, I, <laughs> I'm an old fogey. Well, this is the YouTube yep. version, kind of a more highly produced, I guess, sort of the end of this arc. But anyway, here's Nathan Evans with uh, Wellerman, Sea Shanty. There once was a ship that put to sea The name of the ship was a bully of tea The winds blew up her bowed up down Oh, below my bully boys blow <gasps> Soon may the Willowman come To bring us sugar and tea and rum One day when the tonguing is done We'll take our leave and go She'd not been two weeks from shore When down on her a right whale bore The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that whale in tow <laughs> Soon may the Willowman come To bring us sugar and tea and rum One day when the tonguing is done We'll take our leave and go da 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 before the boat had hit the water, the whale sail came up and caught her. Hands to the side, harpooned and fought her when she dived down low. <gasps> Soon may the Willowman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. No line was cut, no whale was freed The captain's mind was not of greed And he belonged to the whaleman's creed She took that ship in tow <gasps> Soon may the whaleman come To bring us sugar and tea and rum One day when the tonguing is done We'll take our leave and go da 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 for forty days or even more The lane went slack and take once more All boats were lost, there were only four But still at will did go <gasps> Soon may the Willowman come To bring us sugar and tea and rum One day when the tonguing is done We'll take a leave and go As far as I've heard, the fight's still on The lane's not cut and the whale's not gone The Willowman makes his regular call To encourage the captain, crew and all Soon may the Willowman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Soon may the Willowman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. 
this Wellerman, Nathan Evans, uh, singing that a sea shanty. So, uh, Lynn, what, uh, <laughs> what gives? Why, why, <laughs> what why, a, give? why a sea shanty? Yeah, this is a real exciting moment for us digital folklorists because this was a real uniting of digital forms. I mean, it's hard to get more contemporary than TikToks and a traditional sea shanty that was popular in the mid-1800s, and now there's school kids who can sing every word of this song. And I think that one of the things we're really seeing here is what the original value of the sea shanty as a form of folklore was, which is this scent of collaboration and cooperation. A sea shanty is meant not to be soloed, but to be sung together, to be sung while people work, to really exhibit that spirit of unification and togetherness. And we have just been living through such an awful time of social distancing and isolation and quarantines and lockdowns and political strife globally. And to see this form show up that encourages people to sing together makes perfect use, as Jeannie said, of TikTok's duet feature where you can record your video alongside someone else's and then a third person can come in and record alongside that. And we see this incredible culmination of skills. It's not just singers, musicians, remixers, DJs have gotten in on it. Everyone putting their own spin on this traditional song, doing exactly what sailors and whalers were expected to do in the mid-1800s, only now with the technologies available to us. It's this incredible sense of unification, which is just so evidently what we need right now. Mm-hmm. Gene Thomas, this kicked off this, uh, you say there's an explosion of sea shanties. What is it about sea shanties? Oh, they're accessible. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be a fantastic singer to do them. And I mean, that's a great earworm, right? Mm -hmm. So thank you for subjecting your listeners to it. We were so (laughs) excited that you were willing to play it because it's so folkloric. And um, he performs it nicely. One of the uh, articles I read about it, they said he, um, Nathan Evans has this, authentic sense of stoic forbearance Mm. as he performs it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I I think, you know, this was a year where we were looking for stoic because also things got a little wild and crazy and and, um, stoic seemed to be something that was valued. But that creating of community with COVID. Also the song, the lyrics. I mean, how often do you get a song with the word tonguing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. it? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What and and you know sailor songs were body, so go with that where you will. <laughs> Although the the scholars of it say, well, it refers to the whole process of cutting up the whale. And some people say it refers to the tongue, taking out the tongue, and some people say it refers to cutting up blubber into strips. So I don't know. I feel like I need a a bigger blubber expert to come in and help me with that one. (laughs) But you can go down those rabbit holes with this song. Yeah. And it's got, I mean, it's, it's, it's Melville for the 21st century, right? Yeah. It's Moby Dick again, the whale that, you know, is, is towing that ship out there forever. And that's us too. I mean, there's COVID and it seems to be towing us out there still. We're still linked to COVID just like those poor souls on that ship are linked to that whale. Yeah. So, Lynn, you talked about uh, uh, a need for unification, a need mm-hmm. to be together, but together separately. This, this, this is so COVID, right? So pandemic. Yep. 
Um, I wonder, do, do we get what we need, do we, you think, without being physically together? Well, probably not in the long run. And, you know, we see the recommendations to have our COVID bubbles and make sure that we have people who we can actually hug and sit across from and hold hands with and have that physical contact. But we think a lot, and scholars of the internet have spent a long time thinking a lot about the value of the types of connections we get through digital technology. There's a famous uh, book written that that is doubtful of the internet's ability to bring us together called Together Alone, um, Alone Together. And that really does emphasize this idea that is is it really togetherness? Does it really count as togetherness when our actual interaction is with a screen and with, you know, the dry written text and the, you know, stock fonts of our cell phones? And it's interesting because something like this, something like the Wellerman, brings humans back into that equation. We, The technology of TikTok, the fact that it's both visual and textual, a lot of people who hear this folk song think it's the weatherman because that's a word we know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what the Wellerman is. It's uh, someone representing the Weller Brothers Company in New Zealand in the mid-1800s who would come and restock your ship supplies mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And we learn that because we can see the lyrics on the screen as we're looking at Nathan Evans and we can feel that he's someone we might know and we can watch those duets trickle in and more and more people and we're seeing them we're not just hearing their voices we're getting that sense of humanity and we're able to picture ourselves joining in this if you google the wellerman if you google the wellerman compilations or the wellerman remixes you'll find an endless number of these collaborative projects that people are doing and it's certainly not the same as sitting around the dinner table with your family or being able to take a walk with a friend, but it's a whole lot better than true isolation because this participatory element grows out of it. It's not passive consumption of media. It's not watching a movie. It's making a movie. It's making a performance. Yeah, very interesting. Anything you'd like to say on that, Jean Thomas? Um, Just that this Well, we were so excited because this is really folklore about folklore. Sometimes it's it's the folk responding to a political event, but this is the folk responding to folklore that's been around for a couple hundred years. So that's just so so rich, and it's um, it just makes me smile the earwormy aspect of it, and because the internet is a wonderful and incredibly terrifying place. You can find this on YouTube on a loop for three hours, should you need that for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just been discovering that, uh, you know, songs. Uh, I've only discovered the hour long, you know. Mm. T- take a five-minute song and they, they loop it for an hour. Yep. I guess if you really like that song or need that mood. We also have the added tradition of reaction videos, which are their whole own genre of video online, where you film your friends either watching a video or listening to a song that you want them to appreciate. And it might be a gross-out factor where you want to see how aghast they are at whatever horrible thing is happening. Or it might be like this, where you say, I'm going to play you a song that is not of the type that you think you like. And we get to watch these reaction videos where we watch a new listener of the Wellerman go from skepticism to sort of grudging appreciation to by the end, they're rocking out and singing along Mm -hmm, with the mm -hmm, chorus. mm -hmm. And that's exactly what folk songs are meant to do. As Jeannie said, they're accessible. 
That's the point is that you can listen to it once and be ready to join in. You don't need to have gone to Juilliard to know how to join in this musical collaboration. You can do it immediately. And watching that progression, watching that joy of someone move from you want me to listen to a song about what from what time (laughs) to hey, this slaps. I mean, that's really an experience we can all relate to. And that shared enthusiasm is just hard to not smile your way through. (laughs) I'm reading the comments from this YouTube video on the Wellerman. A teacher says, I'm teaching my second grade music class sea shanties. (laughs) Not nearly as cool as this one. My students started yelling, please play Wellerman. I was so glad I did. Students taught the teacher today. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so the kids knew. Yeah, Wellerman. second yeah. grade. Yeah. They, yeah. They're knowing yeah. their sea shanties. My students, yeah. like three quarters of my class, all knew it when I played it for them this semester. Really? And mm-hmm. they were actually singing along, I yeah. kid you not. Yeah. yeah, they knew the words. Yeah, so it's that engaging. It's also a great, if you can look at it in the history of COVID, it's this kind of nice comment on maybe how far we've come. Because if you think about the early days of COVID in March, there was that horrible example of the choir in Washington where 50, over 50 people got sick from COVID because they met together to sing and two mm-hmm. people died and it was horrible and we couldn't meet together. So here we've, we've progressed, we're a year into it and we figured out ways to get around that. And it's kind of a nice reversal of that and, and a more upbeat note on the COVID thing. Of course, other trends came along last year that were not so upbeat. (laughs) Exactly. Well, let's take a break and then let's uh, talk. uh, I want to go next to the horned insurrectionist, the QAnon shaman. Um, Some spectacular memes surrounding uh, him Uh, and uh, the other digital trends of the year we'll get into talking about. We're talking about the top digital trends of 2021. And uh, every year, USU English students uh, help compile a list that goes out to a panel of uh, folklore experts and uh, get voted on. And this is put out by the USU Digital Folklore Project. We have the two directors of that project, uh, Jeannie Thomas and Lynn McNeil, with us. More following this break. Thanks for listening to Access U, Tom. Tom Williams. We're talking about the top digital trends of 2021. This is the uh, uh, project from the USU Digital Folklore Project. Every year they uh, compile a list, send it out to uh, a panel of experts, and they get voted on. We talked about the top vote-getter, the Wellerman. Um, here's another top uh, getter. So you have, that was serious fun, the Wellerman. Then you have a category called social issues, right? So um, the QAnon shaman, um, Gina Thomas, tell me, uh, of course, I think we, most people know uh, this is the, the fellow dressed as a Viking uh, who sat in the president's chair in the Senate uh, during the insurrection, um, and memes ensued. Tell me about these memes. There are lots of pictures of him screaming during the storming of the Capitol building, and so those um, appeared in memes and then he was arrested and famously demanded organic food. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to figure out how that was a constitutional right. I could not figure. And then I re- a shaman thing. It was a religious thing. Mm-hmm. So, so though that then there were other people out there who were scratching their heads like me, and and then they started mocking it, and that then became a meme like storms capital to overthrow constitution, sues government over constitutional right to organic food in jail. <laughs> you know, <laughs> memes like that. Um, I have to say, this wasn't 
one of my favorite ones. In fact, I made Lynn write the entry for this. <laughs> but then I looked at what some of the um, some of my native friends were doing with it, and it, that their memes were incredible. Um, so, for example, there's a there's a vlog that I like called Natives React, which is two guys reacting to what's happening in the world in terms of native representation. And so here you have a white guy appropriating native culture because he was wearing basically what looked like a, a buffalo headdress with horns, right? And so he's he's and he's picking up on the whole shaman thing, even though he's like a self-initiated shaman, which isn't a thing. But anyway, so they were great. And the native memes were hilarious. So pictures of him screaming were captioned, cries out in privilege <laughs> and dances with Karens. <laughs> and this is what happens after you watch dances with wolves once, you know, mm. stuff like that. <laughs> what did you say, Lynn, about this one? Yeah, I think what really resonated, and I was with Jeannie, we were kind of hesitant to give this guy more press, you know. Um, but it his appearance that day really encapsulated, I think, the absolute absurdity, the sort of unreal, bizarre nature of what was actually happening in that moment in our political history. It just summed it up in this image of this inexplicable outfit and this presentation and how he's behaving and what he's doing. And I think that a lot of the memes that I saw were really zeroing in on that randomness. One of my favorites was, it was an image of him shouting in the Capitol building and it was captioned, what happens when you choose random in your character generator in Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're just like arbitrarily <laughs> slapping together things like mm -hmm. what's happening here? How did we come up with this? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of self-entitlement themes came up with him, <clears throat> excuse me, the comparison of him to the the mimetic character of Karen, the demanding Gen X woman who wants to speak to your manager. Mm -hmm. um, lots of memes of him showing up at the Capitol with that same entitled attitude. Um, and I think it was a solid articulation of, of confusion and just exhaustion with this ongoing theme. Yeah. I think that the thing that I haven't seen a meme on this thing that kind of struck me with with this young man was his mother. Mm -hmm. uh, she, you know, she was kind of at the forefront uh, demanding that he get the organic food and, uh, <laughs> and and such. And it was kind of, I don't know, kind of a funny, sad side to this, right? Uh, you're in your 20s somewhere and your mom's still you know, fighting your battles for you. On the other hand, it was kind of touching. He's He's got his mom, he's got his mom <laughs> fighting for him, right? He's a human. He's just, a human, yeah. Just like right. the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's a strange, the, the level of access to information that we get. I mean, he has his own Wikipedia page. The only family listed, I believe, is in fact his mother. Mm -hmm. um, but the the rise to prominence that that people can have through this kind of notoriety really does also set you up for folkloric treatment. People are going to come in, they're going to make memes, they're going to make jokes, they're going to make this commentary, and I think it has largely um, largely come down, I think, on the negative side for yeah. Jacob Chansley. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, uh, are there, in, in the right-wing world, are there, you know, are there memes? I, I would imagine that he, he would be put in a more positive light if we had memes on that side. Well, we do have memes. Any, but, uh, on, we do have memes on that side. They, they sometimes it just depends on our student body who's who's tweeting these and then bringing them to our group. Sometimes those come up. Sometimes they don't. They didn't come up 
with these this year. Um, students often, and this is all of us watching the internet, they often go for funny. And so the memes need to be funny. If, mm -hmm. if they're heroic, yeah, it doesn't pack right, quite right. the punch. And that's where the QAnon, he, he'd be a hero if it was a right-wing meme, and so you wouldn't have the funny or the yeah. snarky or the whatever it is. You know. Yeah. yeah. What I ultimately, despite Lynn being a good soul and saying, okay, Jeannie, I'll take this one, <laughs> <Yeah>. and holding <laughs> her nose and doing it. Uh, what I, but when I started to research it when we were working on the ballot, I really appreciated what natives did with it because they took it and they reframed it, and they also used it to talk about this issue that they have of white appropriation of their culture, so, and then they were just funny with it, like like they did one where you saw three pictures of him screaming from the news footage, and then the fourth picture was a barefoot stepping on a Lego block <laughs> to sort of show why would somebody scream like that? Oh, those Lego toys, they're so painful. <laughs> but then there'd be captions like, there's always that one white dude dressed like this at a powwow. Mm -hmm. And so they 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 reframed it, and they they took away some of some of his appropriation of their culture by by placing it in a meme yeah. and and mm -hmm. putting their own commentary on it. Yeah, interesting. This is a really great example of why folklorists are so insistent that context matters as much as the text of something. We can have a meme, an image, a picture, even the caption that goes with it, but knowing who's sharing that and to whom and for what reasons, what's the motivation for sharing this digital folklore is really a lot of the times where the meaning lies. And so we, when we see these things in isolation, when someone is like, look, here's 100 memes about January 6th, we lose a lot of the communicative value of those memes because they've been decontextualized. I remember back on our 2016 ballot, we had the thanks Obama memes. And it was fascinating because about half of our examples were sincere the, the meme was sort of a an overblown sarcasm of everything going wrong in the world. I'm going to blame Barack Obama. And the, the thanks was a sarcastic thanks. And then there was a huge number of memes that were very genuine. Thank you for what you've done for the time you've spent leading this country. And it was really hard to parse. It. I remember the discussions of can we even say this is the same meme when it's being used over here facetiously, over here double facetiously to criticize those using it facetiously, and here sincerely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> especially in that form, right? Mm -hmm. If it's face to face, you could you could more easily parse that out. But mm -hmm. yeah, very interesting. Well, let's go on to um, the Ever Given. Oh. This is for, for those who don't remember the huge cargo ship Suez Canal that somehow got stuck. I can't remember how long it was. Weeks. It was. Uh, oh yeah. It was a while, and uh, of course, this is a main artery for for trade, and uh, you got this big cargo ship uh, blocking that artery. It really showed us how fragile our infrastructure can be when it comes to things like global shipping and all of the emphasis that we put nowadays, especially in the pandemic, on our ability to get our Amazon packages as quickly as we need them, to get supplies, to get food, to get materials, to get resources, we rarely think about the arteries that are container ships, that, that are the waterways that connect different countries. And suddenly we find ourselves in this time of excessive reliance on, on shipping, on the receiving of resources through these means. 
and it stopped. I mean, and absolutely stopped the idea that one ship could cause so much havoc, I think surprised a lot of people. But for me, the real value, the symbolic value of the ever given ship was the memes that were generated that showed the efforts attempting to dislodge this ship. There was a famous photograph that really highlighted the scale of the Ever Given as a container ship of the ship stuck in the canal and then a tiny little excavator, a le- you know, yellow machinery down at the very bottom edge looking almost ridiculously minuscule next to this ship, digging away at the dirt next to it just in an obviously futile attempt to budge this ship. And this became what's known as an object labeling meme, which is we label the different components of the image in some way that reflects the relationship between those two things. So one of my favorites had the ever given ship labeled everything happening in the world in 2021 (laughs) and the little excavator labeled me doing my best. (laughs) And it was just like, oh, yeah, that's so true. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at the photo right now. It's it's uh, it's just ridiculous, right? It really Normally, is. Normally, this excavator would be large. Oh, yes. But in comparison to the ship, it's just minuscule. Um, one that I'm, I'm scrolling down, one that I quite liked, um, my ambitious plan to free the boat is to push a huge cotton swab up the canal. <laughs> uh, so you have this Photoshopped <laughs> swab that's bigger than the than the ship. Love that one. Love yeah. that one because it's sort of like, here's this simple problem that is tying up the entire world. So let's solve it with a simple solution <laughs> of a giant Q-tip going up this straight canal to get the ship out. Yeah. There's another one. uh, They've made a um, Ever Given out of uh, Legos. Mm -hmm. Uh, Put it, it, it's it's taking up most of the hallway, and the the caption is like, I cannot go to work today. (laughs) (laughs) They're blocked by the Ever Given, I guess, right? I saw a great one of the ship being photoshopped into the x-ray of a dog's stomach. So it was, you know, your dog eats a towel or a toy and gets blocked up. This was the ever given. Yeah. Yeah. I think that brings out the sidewalk supervisor in us all. We're like, well, let's get in there and let's let's figure out how we get that ship out. You know, and yeah. And I, the, one of the ones I liked was it showed the the little tiny excavator, the caterpillar, next to the ship, and then it photoshopped a, a dog that was larger than the excavator, and said, "Having failed miserably with the cat, we're going to give the dog a go." <laughs> Very good. <laughs> By the way, I, I I I didn't follow the story to the end. I don't know how they got that thing out of there. I think a man. Wow, the fact that none of us the dog. knows. Yeah, the, yeah, dog. the dog. The dog. Yeah. Or, or it might have been just the excavator working and working, and maybe, it does, you know, I don't know. It does, not to excuse our, our lack of knowledge on that front, but it does say something that that isn't what mattered. Right, yeah. It being yeah. stuck is what was was meaningful to us. Right, it right. finally getting free clearly did not carry the right. same we, weight. We moved on, right? We yeah. moved yeah. on once, once the problem was solved, yeah. Um, would you tell me about Bernie's mittens? I think we remember this is about a year ago, right? The yeah. inauguration. January 20th. And I loved this one um, because the, it was um, so, it was, pol- you could say it's political, but it was so widely embraced. It wasn't really that political. He was on brand. This is Bernie sitting at the inauguration with in his parka, in his tan parka, with his um, handmade knit mittens that a woman had made for him in Vermont, had knitted for him. 
And uh, one person on Twitter described him as looking like he was standing in line at the post office. <laughs> and, you know, J-Lo is there in her fancy gown and everyone's mm-hmm. in their inauguration finery. And here is Bernie um, with a folder under his arm as an original. <laughs> and that little image of Bernie sitting in the folding chair looking kind of like a grumpy grandpa mm-hmm. got photoshopped everywhere and the incongruity of it. And uh, hearkening back to the stoic year, one reviewer um, talked about the image was great for its stoic incongruity. So it seemed like a good, maybe a little grumpy too, it seemed like a good image for that year. But to see him photoshopped into the Twilight Vampire movies, <laughs> looking understandably grumpy, <laughs> or at, at the painting of The Last Supper, you know, mm-hmm. there he is. I mean, it's just so ubiquitous. There was a, an app where you could uh, have paste him in in front of your house. And so you could even have your own, your very own Bernie. Yeah. This was a trend that was really popular offline as well. And then, of course, nowadays, offline manifestations of anything immediately go online and circulate as viral photos. But I believe we saw Bernie with his mittens at the Pumpkin Walk locally here in Smithfield, Utah. Mm. We saw snowmen of Bernie sitting in in his chair, a little snow chair and a little snow Bernie with... Of course, hand knit mittens. Mm-hmm. That that focus on these, you know, cozy large mittens in contrast with the grumpy demeanor of of Bernie, I think really captured people's imaginations. And I think as we see with all of these trends, there's sort of a key attitude. And if that's our attitude right now, like I am done with this. I am just ready to have these things be over. It just explodes. And this was one of those. I was absolutely convinced that Bernie's mittens was going to win yeah this year yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it, it was a little bit down the list you know made the list I guess right oh yeah. uh, tell me about vaccine magnets oh here we go so this was an interesting one this is another one where I'm like okay great do I want to spend a lot of <laughs> you know give this more oxygen <laughs> so this is a TikTok thing and um this has happened in the spring, really May and June of last year, when the shots were becoming very widely available. And it's a response to a conspiracy theory that the shots make you magnetic. So people were sticking all these videos of themselves with keys on their forehead or on their arm saying, look, I'm magnetic um, because I took the shot. So, And this was actually so pervasive and so bad that the CDC had to come out and officially declare it vaccine misinformation and say it's not true. And then a lot of TikTokers took to TikTok to make fun of that and talk and re- um, reveal the hoax. So you could, and they showed how you could put it up, put keys on your arm with spit, with oil, <laughs> with tape, um, sweat would do it. You know, one guy even had a frying pan on his arm to show how you could stick these things to yourself. So you got people, it's it's actually what folklorists call ostention. First, people were acting out a legend. It's, it's technically pseudo-ostention. They were acting out a legend that they knew to be a hoax because they were faking it. They were, they were sticking the key on themselves so they could show that this legend was true. And so then people started mocking it to undo it. So, so, Lynn, uh, some people, I expect, will have believed this. 
Oh yes, I mean this is this is the murky waters now. As yeah. Jeannie's talking about ostention, we saw it also with Tide Pods. Mm-hmm. The first Tide Pod eating videos were all pseudo ostention hoaxes, jokes, people not actually wanting to eat them. And the next thing we know, people are having their stomachs pumped and actually eating. <clears throat> excuse me, Tide Pods, and it is really hard to parse when you have this whole complex. When we study legends, we describe all the interrelated pieces, the stories themselves, the ostensive behaviors, the pushback, the parodies, the hoaxes as a legend complex. And it really is accurately described as complexity. There's so many different facets going on. We want to be able to have a singular response. We want to be able to sum it up. We want to be able to dismiss it. We want to be able to treat it as problematic or treat it as a joke. And oftentimes we can't when we look at an issue like this and say, do people really believe this? That's a question that requires sincere ethnographic effort to answer it for all that it seems silly or trivial or unimportant. It takes time to parse out What's actually happening here? Who's believing this? Who is making fun of this? Who's believing this because they took seriously something that was meant to originally be satire? Satire, by definition, is at times indistinguishable from conspiracy theory, from urban legend. It's meant to walk right up to the line of plausibility with a sort of extreme commentary. And if that commentary resonates with you and that plausibility seems really plausible, you might just be taking an article originally published in The Onion and taking it at face value. Yeah. I I was thinking of a uh, sportscaster that I watch sometimes. He was talking about a comment from a a player. Um, And he said, when when your serious comment could be an (laughs) Onion headline... Yep. Uh, there's some problems there, right? Yep. And when, they also. When you've entered that territory. Yeah. And yeah. they refer online to people who ate the onion, someone who bought it, someone who saw a satirical headline and hook, line, and sinker is reacting with, you know, shock and horror, as you would if it were real, but of course, not real. Yeah. yeah. The ambiguity of satire is actually a major factor in the dissemination of misinformation these mm. days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you'd like to say, and then we'll go to break. True confessions. Yeah. Yeah. I So Lynn had to do the horned insurrectionist, so I felt <laughs> duty-bound to do this one. So I had to write the ballot entry for it. So when I was researching it, I watched a gazillion TikTok videos. And I have to say, after seeing all those videos of magnetic things stuck on people, I went back and like, now... It starts to be believable because you you see it with your own eyes kind of a thing. I knew it was a lie, but I found myself going, oh, I get why people believe this because you just the repetition there Mm -hmm. just brought it home. And so I think this one also points to uh, the dark side of Mm -hmm. the Internet. Yeah. And the the fact that that lies spread faster than the truth on the Internet. And this is a side of the Internet we haven't wrangled. Especially with visuals. Yeah. And, you know, you'd Photoshop and photo alterations and all of that. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back. When we come back, I want to talk about Oprah's shocked expressions. <laughs> uh, and we'll have others of the uh, contenders for uh, Digital Lore of the Year for 2021. Uh, we have with us the directors of the Digital Folklore Project at USU. That's uh, Jeannie Thomas and Lynn McNeil. More following this.
Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about the top digital trends of 2021. Each year, the USU Digital Folklore Project uh, sends out a, a ballot to uh, digital folklore experts, and we get the top trends of uh, the previous year. And so we've been going down down the list uh, to recall the Wellerman, a sea shanty, was uh, number one for serious fun. Number one for social issues was the QAnon shaman. We talk about the Ever Given, uh, Bernie's mittens, vaccine magnets. Um, so, Lynn, tell me about Oprah's shocked expressions. So this meme grew out of Oprah Winfrey's interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, where in their very honest opinions of the royal family were openly discussed and some distressing, I think, to a lot of folks, things were revealed. There were discussions of the royal family's concern that any children had by Prince Harry and Meghan Markle might be considered too dark-skinned. So some really difficult issues coming to light in this. And what really stood out to a lot of people was Oprah's reactions to this. Oprah is obviously a charismatic, animated interviewer, and her facial expressions in response to this showed the depth of her reaction. And so we saw these four pain images of Oprah's face reacting to different things now being appended into different scenarios. And really, this was not necessarily the most, I think, prevalent of the images that we had. Really, the resonance of this one was the weight of the issues behind it. So we saw this being applied in a lot of different ways. But what gave it its staying power seemed to be the revelation that we were having about this. Not it's hard to say that there's not been criticism levied at the royal family before, but certainly Prince Harry's disavowal of his family, his desire to not be considered royal anymore, has really shifted how we see this institution. Yeah, interesting. It was, was, you know, big news. Yeah. Uh, Jean Thomas. Well, there are all sorts of interesting layers with this one, I think. And um, so you have the whole issues with the royal family and with race and also with mental health. That was an issue that came out in the interviews that the, the firm, as they revealed that they are that the royal family's called were insensitive to print to Megan's um, mental health issues like they were Princess Diana's. So that it brought back up that kind of that whole past. But if you look at the memes, they're not about that at all. They're about really mundane things. So you have this great one of the really common pictures is of Oprah holding up her hands like, no, no, this can't be so, and just turning away in horror. And they'll be captioned with things like, what do you mean you don't have bottomless mimosas? You know, <laughs> so just really everyday, ordinary things. So you also get this, you get serious things hinted at, but you also get people taking this conversation between three cultural elites about a very small group of people and just making it, bringing it right into their living rooms and making it just really <laughs> hometown and about everyday life. Yeah. That's a very human impulse, right? Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about Four Seasons. Uh, this this is, <laughs> part of this is kind of the humor. We don't know what the planning was, right? But We have a good the, the, guess. We have a good guess. Rudy Giuliani. There was planning? Press, <laughs> uh, press conference. He's in support of the, the president's assertion that the election was stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not in front of the Four Seasons Hotel. He's in front of the Four Seasons. Total the, landscaping. Total landscaping. Yes. Which is kind of this, in this little strip mall. 
Yes, next to the sex shop and the crematorium, right. I believe. So a dubious place yeah, so, to hold so, a press conference. So very ripe for memes. Yes, absolutely. And you may recall that in, I can't remember now which year it was, but Gritty um, was the, the mascot um, for the Philadelphia hockey team, was one of our... Uh, digital trends of the year contenders in his manifestation as Marxist gritty. He became in meme form, the sort of spokesperson for leftist ideologies. And that was a really great sort of intertextual crossover we had here. There were a lot of images of gritty, um, you know, using landscaping equipment, all of the the machinery that we might find at Four Seasons Total Landscaping, images of the press conference, T-shirts, mugs, lots of things for sale featuring the logo of the landscaping company as opposed to the hotel chain where we assume the press conference was meant to take place, but really just highlighting the ongoing ineptitude of of this administration. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to say about this? It seems to have been a good year for Legos and stoicness because <laughs> their Legos also figured in the memes. They did little Lego depictions of the of the setting and there was a little people did mock up Rudy Giuliani action <laughs> figures that you could place in those Lego settings. But I think the real winner on this one was the landscaping company because they came out with some great merch, including mugs that said make america rake again <laughs> very good you might as well take advantage right yeah if you're the absolutely company. this is america yeah uh so tell me about jewish space lasers <laughs> this one is i'm sorry this yeah, one is ahead. so odd no yeah um in a in a in a what otherwise could have been a throwaway comment, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene suggested that the California wildfires had been sparked by a laser in space operated by a Jewish cabal. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember this. I, remember <laughs> I this. mean, yes. what, what else do a, we say? A throwaway, but we, we think she was serious. Yes, and mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. people really ran with the creative idea of yeah. the Jewish space lasers and created, you know, Star Trek looking pins and insignias for the obvious, you know, ownership of space that the Jewish people now can claim and the positioning of their strategic lasers. Yeah, I, I, that, that one's almost too easy. I don't, you have some favorites in, under this genre? Well, actually, this one, again, it works on a couple levels. I mean, if you just look at it, it, it also speaks to the fact of how disturbing is this that we have one of our rep- elected representative in this mm-hmm. day and age that is just spewing old recycle anti-Semitism mm-hmm. in the form of a conspiracy theory. So that is really disturbing. And here's where the Internet kind of springs into action and says, ah, you're going to do that. We're going to mock you for it and we're going to reframe it. And so that's what they did. They just they just simply made fun of her for doing it. Yeah. Um, so I want to turn to, uh, something that wasn't on the list, but uh, Lynn, you say you wished was this came out in December, right? After Very the late. been, been distributed. Tell me about this, uh, jort. So this happens every year. There's a trend that crops up like after we've already constructed the ballot and we just have to cross our fingers in hopes that it's persistent enough to make it on to next year's ballot. I don't know if that's the case here, but Jorts the Cat became this internet icon by being the subject matter of a thread on a subreddit that is famous for people checking in with the general population to say, hey, am I the bad guy here or am I not? And this person wrote in saying that 
in their office. They have two cats, Jorts and Jean. And Jorts is sort of famously dumb. Mm. And they the cats had their own employee photos. Jean's was a photo of her. Jorts was a picture of a potato. And mm. the issue was that one of this person's co-workers had accused him of ethnically stereotyping orange cats as dumb and had reported him basically to his supervisors saying how inappropriate this was and had also engaged in an effort to teach jorts to be smarter in the office including things like putting margarine on him to teach him to groom himself but it only led to gene the other cat grooming him for him and i mean as i'm saying it I can hear how ridiculous it sounds, but it really became this incredible story. And there's fan art all over the Internet. If you Google Jorts and Jean, you will see art paintings, crochet of them, images of them as potatoes. I mean, the the characters involved, the original poster of this thread and Pam, his co-worker, who tried to involve herself in, in the protection of Jorts. And it's somehow absurdist and really strangely heartwarming. There's, in fact, a wonderful compilation or, or a parody of the Wellerman about jorts. So we see this bridging of forms, this intertextuality that's so common with memes. We see the actual digital trend of the year 2021 being combined with this late contender of jorts and Jean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at, and this is on your Twitter feed, uh, this is a uh, painting. <laughs> this is a medieval jorts the cat. Yep. And uh, it's it look you know kind of yellowish, and uh, looking looking himself, and he's trying to get the margarine off. Yeah, it says yeah. So yep, uh, it's even medieval, uh, jorts. It is true. Well, we've reached the uh, reached the almost the end of our time. We have about thirty seconds left. Uh, Gina Thomas, what are you? Is there anything that's popped up in twenty twenty two that you think will be a contender? Well, I think um, Gene and George tells us that cats still rule the internet, mm-hmm. and you know, mic drop there. That's all that needs to be said. Yeah, cats, man, cats, mm-hmm. cats will cats. always be a part of this. Too true. All yes. about the cats. Yeah. Too true. Very good. Well, we've been talking about the digital trends of twenty twenty one. Always uh, fun. Uh, we've been talking with the directors of the USU Digital Folklore Project, oh, which are USU English professor Jeannie Thomas. Thanks for coming in. Mm-hmm. And uh, USU Associate uh, Professor of English, uh, Lynn McNeil. Thanks. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening to Access Utah Today.